Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Well, hello, welcome in. Welcome to this Friday edition of the program. Very busy hour ahead of us, and we've got three guests lined up for the show, so we've got to get moving quick. But I've got to address to start the program the IU loss on the road last night. Indiana absolutely handed the game to Iowa uh, in the final stretch of that ball game. Indiana now 0-4 in road games, 12-4 overall, 3-3 in the Big Ten Conference, and I thought for almost three-fourths of that game, if not just a little more than that, Indiana was going to get a huge, huge road win over Iowa last night. They didn't play their best game. This wasn't the same type of performance from start to finish that maybe the Ohio State game or even the Minnesota game were at home, but they played good enough to win that ball game last night. But so many things that we've seen consistently with this Indiana team showed themselves once again, in addition to just handing it away, in the final minutes of the game, uh, turnovers returned to be a major problem last night. Uh, I also thought the point guard play, which had been a little masked, uh, some improvements, uh, specifically because of Tennessee shooting the ball better, that Minnesota game uh, returned to a very inconsistent state last night. So uh, lots to talk about with IU. It was an opportunity for Indiana to really continue momentum to get a much-needed road win and to kind of break that cycle, break the glass, I think is what Mike Woodson had said heading into the game last night. And Indiana, for a great part of that game, I thought they were headed that way. Uh, But for any good moment in that game, the final three, four, five, six, I don't know, maybe seven minutes of the game uh, take away from so much good that's been done the last week and a half or so by IU basketball. So uh, not a good loss the way it happened, a road loss for Indiana now. Indiana looks to a game at Nebraska on Monday that I view as a must-win game. Not only is it a road game against a lesser team in the Big Ten Conference, but a 3-3 three and three record at this point in the Big Ten early on. Some tough games coming up. I know there are some home games coming, but it's just simply a game you've got to get. You've got to finally get a road win at Nebraska on Monday, or I think Indiana's in bad shape. So we'll see how things play out, but lots of discussion about the IU-Iowa game last night coming up a little bit later in the show. Let's look quickly at the show lineup for this Friday show, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in just a few moments, Andrew Grants, the head coach of the Jeffersonville Red Devils, is going to join us to talk about uh, his team's return to play. That's right, the, the Jeff team has been out uh, for a few weeks with a COVID-19 issue, 
and then had a couple snow days to deal with and finally has been back at it this week practicing and are eligible to return to games and competitions, and they'll do so tonight against rival Floyd Central on the road. And it's a big, big weekend because uh, Jeffersonville will host Providence on Saturday night, so the Red Devils will play two rivalry games this weekend. Then later in the show, Dylan Wallace, he's the sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, He'll be with me as we break down everything that went wrong last night for IU and a full recap of the IU loss on the road at Iowa coming up later in segment two with Dylan. And then we'll wrap things up for the week in segment three with Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star, some high school basketball, some recruiting topics, and more that we'll cover in our final segment of the week coming up with Kyle of the Indy Star. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And the Thornton's text line is open. Get your phone out. Send a text to 502 502- 414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450, the Thornton's text line. You can send in your questions, your comments. Maybe you've got something for Coach Grants and the Red Devils. I know that we'll get some stuff on IU and the loss last night to Iowa. You can go ahead and fire those into us and uh, get them in, your questions, your comments, your topics. I'll do my best to get them all uh, worked into the program here on this Friday. Again, 502-414-1450. You can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. Let's get right now to our first guest, Andrew Grants, the coach of Jeffersonville, joins us in advance of a big weekend for his team. Coach, it's been a crazy ride the last month or so 22 days by my count since the Red Devils last played a competition and you're headed into a big weekend starting tonight at Floyd Central. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh uh I'm not going I'm not going to believe it till I see it till we get to play a game again. <laughs> this has been uh yeah, it's been it's been crazy. 22 22 days with that. Here you know, this is this is what's nuts. This will be my first game uh that I get a coach since December 5th. So, um you know, it's been uh it's been a crazy year so far. We started off the season, you know, with uh, with Will Loving's Watts being out for five games, and then after that first weekend of games, I got hit with uh, with double pneumonia. So I was spent some time in the hospital and, and had to miss some games. Uh, Kobe Studemeyer, starting point guard, goes down and twists his ankle, and uh, so we're we get through the Christmas break. We're ready to go. We're all back to a hundred percent. We're excited for a tournament that we were going to play up uh, a showcase up at North Central in Indianapolis the week after Christmas, and uh, we get a phone call that we've had a couple uh, COVID cases in the program and got to shut it down. So, uh, you know, it's just been one thing after another. Then we get back. How about this? This makes it even crazier. We get back the Wednesday, um, last Wednesday, a week, a week and a half ago, have our first practice back after having two weeks off because of COVID, and then the very next two days get hit with snow days. And it's like, <laughs> can we just – practice and play some basketball so we uh we are excited and uh, and ready just to get back onto the court finally uh and and to have the team at 100 percent and uh, and everybody available so um you know we're we're uh we're, we're excited for that opportunity and you just you realize uh you know the just the the camaraderie the team everybody being together uh and when you miss that or it gets fractured uh you know it it it, it gets hard at times so we're excited to be able to get back and have everybody together. Coach Grant, in the middle of all that, last weekend, you and your wife Jenna welcomed your uh, second child and first son 
into the Grants family, so we want to give a radio welcome to Garrison Grants. So in in addition to all this basketball stuff and COVID-19 and illness and everything that's been going on, you uh, also have a, a newborn uh, on your hands, and I know you're excited to have Garrison with you, you guys. Know, here, here, yeah, absolutely. Here, here's the greatest thing is that uh, even through all the struggles and all that going on, our God is, is gracious and loving and, and providing, and uh, you know we're just our family's so blessed. Everybody's healthy, doing well, and uh, you know we. I, I love the game of basketball. My players love the game of basketball, but to, to bring a new life into the world and have that go smooth and have everybody healthy uh, is is one of the greatest blessings of all. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to you guys. No question about that, Coach. Uh, tonight, Floyd Central. Let's talk about the challenge again. You've covered all the things that have been awkward or different. So it's definitely not been a normal week of preparation. You're getting your team back in shape. You're getting your team back together. You're going through your stuff, trying to master the things that you had, you guys had done and put in earlier in the season. So this Floyd Central team, we, we know they're good. We know they're one of the best in the area at this point of the season. How do you prepare? How do you stack up with a team given all the challenges you've had to deal with? Yeah, absolutely. They are. They're very well coached. Coach Sturgeon does does a great job. I've always thought very highly of him. Um, you know, t- their their size is obviously the first thing that when you see them that that jumps out to you. Um, but their ability uh, to shoot the basketball, um, you know, for, from their wings that are six four, six five, six six, and to be able to to step out and stretch the floor, uh, especially being taller like that and having some higher releases, they they become hard to guard uh, on the perimeter. A lot are going to talk about what they do on the inside, but. Um, what really makes them uh, a difficult matchup is their ability to shoot the ball. So, um, you know, it's going to be a good test for us. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we are almost – we've talked about it internally with our team that we're almost treating uh, last the first half of the season as last year. We've told our, our, uh, our freshmen that you're now sophomores or you're sophomores, you're now juniors. And really this is an, an entirely new season. We almost use the 22 days off as a reset. Um, so this will be our first game uh, that we've had this group together playing together. Um, so th- it'll they'll take some time to uh, to get that chemistry and to and to figure that out. But but it's nice because we had last season we had a lot of great learning opportunities, a lot of opportunities for younger players uh, to be able. I say last season was we we use that vocabulary so much and you know since we've been back that earlier this season uh, for everybody listening, but for us internally in the program, we call it last season, uh, but a lot of opportunities for younger players. So for them to be able to uh, play together as a full team tonight uh, and see how we execute our stuff and, and just uh, looking for our guys to go out there and play hard and compete uh, and do that. And we're excited about the test of being able to go uh, to Floyd Central and do that against a, a good quality opponent. And like I said, their size, uh, stands out to you most, but uh, but really their ability to shoot the ball and to be able to play inside out. They do a great job of posting the ball as well. Um, but uh, usually when you see teams like that, you think, oh, they're big, they're going to pound it inside, and they do. Um, but really they they shoot the ball in the perimeter extremely well too. And I think sometimes uh, for for them, uh, just looking at them uh, size wise, that that kind of goes under uh, underlooked at times. And just a side note, we'll have the uh, Jeff at Floyd Central game tonight on the radio pregame coverage beginning about 7.15 from Floyd's Knobs. And, Coach, the weekend 
doesn't get any easier for you in this return to play after Friday night because you host Providence, a school that you graduated from, you spent a number of years at as the head coach uh, in a previous stop, and you'll host them, a very talented Providence team this year at Johnson Arena, and amazingly, only your second home game so far of this 21-22 season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> we're we're calling it our home opener. <laughs> so uh, we, uh, yeah, Providence is you know very well coached. Same same respect for for Coach Miller and what he does there. And and I know that game, uh, they're going to be hard nosed. They're going to be physical. They're going to bring the intensity. So um, we're excited to be able to be back in our um, in, in our gym with our fans and to be able to feed off of that energy uh, and to bring our own intensity and to bring our own effort. Um, you know, so, so it is, it's going to be a challenging, uh, back-to-back weekend, but I know, uh, I'm very confident in our players that if we go out and we compete, uh, just one possession at a time and just take care of one possession at a time and try to execute at the highest level, just that one possession at a time that over time we'll get the results that we want. And, uh, so that's, that's really going to be our measuring stick this weekend. We've been talking about all week, just show up, just compete, uh, play hard, Go be aggressive. Make the plays that you're capable of making. You know, basically take take the uh, take the restraints off and uh, and just go just go ball out. And that's what we've been talking to our guys about all week. And so we're we're uh, we're excited about them to finally to be able to have the opportunity to do that. Andrew Grants of Jeffersonville, uh, my guest here as we start this Friday program. Coach, you mentioned that. One of the obstacles you guys have had to deal with of the many this season is that Will Loving's watch, your key senior, was missing for five games. He was uh, fulfilling a suspension. He's committed to to Drake, obviously a very talented player in the area, and he did make a return for you briefly just before the shutdown because of some COVID issues. So uh, I, I've got to believe knowing Will at the level I do, what you're seeing in practice this week and since his return, he's got to be a guy hungry to make his mark, to help lift this team up. And as this restart occurs tonight, I know people will say, well, he's been out, he's been rusty, he hasn't really played big-time competition yet or any games yet. But but knowing him, I think he he will be a guy ready to go at tip-off tonight. Oh, absolutely. He, he's the type of kid. He feeds off of crowds. Uh, you know, he, he feeds off of, um, uh, you know, the – uh, attention in games that he gets and and I really think that gets him going that gets his juices flowing and gets him excited so um, you know I'm, I'm excited that uh, that we're able to go on the road tonight because I think that'll uh, you know really get the intensity up for him I know I know it will so um, yeah absolutely you know and his his not just his athleticism but his ability his effort on the floor you know he's a very very hard worker on the basketball floor and have not having that for five games uh, you know, you could see that. And then in the games that he's been back, uh, there's been a difference with uh, intensity and then also in practice. So uh, when he when he's with us and, and, and doing that, it changes the intensity of our team for sure. All right, Coach Grants of Jeff, my guest, talking about uh, his team's return to play and a tough weekend. And by the way, we'll have not only the Jeff Floyd Central game, but the Jeff Providence game here on the Big X Saturday night uh, as well. Coach, you know, this COVID issue that you guys went through, that required a shutdown for you guys to reset, get healthy. Um, could it be a blessing in disguise in the long run? Because, you know, I heard from Chris Brown yesterday up at Rock Creek, and I know there's some other schools that either have had problems. Providence girls basketball team, I understand right now, is is shut down because of some COVID issues. It just seems like coming out of the holidays that everywhere you turn, 
uh, somebody has COVID, an athlete has COVID, a team is struggling with the situation. And in some cases, schools themselves have went virtual for a couple days or uh, for a, a week or so, hoping to kind of reset things there. But could this be a blessing if you've had a little string of it early to get it out of the way now and maybe you can focus on basketball and have some normalcy the rest of the way? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think it's a, a big-time blessing in disguise. I think that um, you know, I, I think even having to play some games without Will and Kobe, uh, in, in, for other guys has been uh, a blessing in disguise for them. Uh, because the, the thing that we were able to do, um, earlier in the season, uh, before Christmas break was get some of our younger players really great minutes and opportunities. So we, we had a lot of freshmen that played more minutes than a lot of sophomores in the state of Indiana have played, uh, so far this year. So, to get those minutes, to get those opportunities, and then for us as coaches just to see, you know, it's one thing to play in summer league games. Uh, it's another thing to play in fall open gyms. But when it really starts to matter and when it really starts to count, uh, you you see different players. Uh, you know, guys. Get, some guys, when the lights come on, they play better. Some guys, when the lights come on, they don't play as well. And that's just a part of it for every every athlete and every player. And uh, so for us as coaches, we got to evaluate and we got to see kind of who was who was ready to step up when the lights came on and who we could give some more minutes to and, and who we could uh, see really produce for the team. So that that for us, I think, uh, will serve uh, very well later on, uh, you know, as we kind of head down the home stretch of the season, uh, which is crazy to think it's not that far away, uh, you know, since we've had those 22 days off. But uh you know, that's, that definitely has been a blessing in disguise for us. And then really also just the reset, to be able to get healthy, to get everybody healthy, uh, just to be able to mentally reset from the first part of the year with myself being out for five games. Um, you know, I mean, you look at any team in the country and you take away, uh, you know, their, their top player, uh, you take away their point guard and you take away their head coach, that's going to be some, some major, major changes uh, that are happening all at once. But what it does is it forces everyone else to step up and it forces everyone else to gain very valuable experience. And so I think that experience will definitely pay off uh, in the long run for us, uh, very much so. All right, Andrew Grants, the coach at Jeffersonville. Coach, we're glad to have the Red Devils uh, back in the local hoop scene, back in action. Again, congratulations to you and family on the addition of your son, Garrison Grants, and we'll see you tonight at Floyd Central. Look forward to watching your ball club. Thanks so much for having me on, Matt. All right, Andrew Grant starting our program today. Should be a good one. Jeff at Floyd Central. We're going to find out right out of the gate what this Jeffersonville team could be like as they return to play tonight after 22 days of no games. That's just amazing. The Red Devils back with a big one, a big weekend at Floyd Central tonight. They will host Providence on Saturday night. I'll be at both of those games and I have the full play-by-play story for you here on the Big X. Other games tonight of interest, Eastern at North Harrison, that's a little to our west, but I tell you, both of those teams have had great seasons so far. Eastern is 11 and one. North Harrison is seven and two. Brownstown will be at Silver Creek tonight. That's another good Mid Southern Conference game. Borden hosts Austin. Clarksville goes to Cordon Central. Lanesville at Christian Academy tonight. Uh, also, local contest. Uh, Charlestown goes to Perry Central. So. Uh, a lot of good ones tonight, a lot of good ones this weekend. Tomorrow you've got a couple things on Saturday to watch, not only the Providence-Jeff rivalry, 
but also Scottsburg coming to New Albany. Scottsburg's had a good year. That will be a tough home game for New Albany, and Jim Shannon is currently sitting at 599 career wins. He is one away from reaching a big mark of 600 wins in his career as a high school basketball coach in our state. So we'll see if New Albany can get it done for Coach Shannon on Saturday night. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, I promise you, I know some of you probably want to hear about IU. Some of you are probably uh, done with the Hoosiers after the uh, performance and the way that game ended last night. Again, Indiana just handed it away. Uh, I thought in the final minutes, the final five minutes or so of that game last night on the road at Iowa, and we'll break it down, we'll discuss it, we'll talk about what Indiana's got to change. And I think first and foremost, I vote for a lineup change, a starting lineup change for this Indiana team. We'll talk about that and more with Dylan Wallace of the Seymour Tribune when we come back. The Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Back to talk IU hoops after this on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. All right, we're back with you here on the Big X this Friday edition of the program, and uh, we're having some technical problems, but I believe we're good to go and back on the air now so we can continue this Friday program. IU with a loss to Iowa in the uh, really the final five, six minutes of the game is when Indiana just did some things that are unthinkable as far as turning the ball over and uh, just handing it over to uh, Iowa in many ways. And Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, is with us right now to help recap what went wrong last night. And Dylan, the close to that game, to see IU really have control of the game, I don't even know that I want to say control, but be in a good position to win the game on the road in the Big Ten Conference for so much of the game and then just let it get away from them in the manner it did. I know uh, really erases a lot of the good that I think uh, this uh, team had accomplished over the last week. Uh, just a very frustrating finish to that game in Iowa City last night. Yeah, it was very frustrating. Um, you know, you mentioned it. They did so many good things uh, against Ohio State, against Minnesota. Even, you know, for the most part of that first half against Iowa, you know, you're up by seven going into the break. It was the first half that saw, you know, a lot of spurts by each team. Um, and you really felt like Indiana just wasn't phased by a lot of it. They were able to take back control of the game. They are playing really well. They are getting good shots, um, and they should because Iowa's defense isn't always the greatest. Um, but there's something about that second half. I mean, you can, you can kind of tell it right away. I mean, early on, they were getting dominated on the board. You know, Iowa had that sequence where they got, you know, four offensive rebounds, and that was pretty early in the half. And they were still pretty back and forth, and then all of a sudden, you know, Indiana just – it seemed like they didn't know what like they've ever faced the press before in their lives. I mean, it was really, really disappointing how they were handling the pressure um, when Iowa kind of brought that full court press. You know, Rob Finney and Avery Johnson were were both very kind of timid to going too fast doing it. Race Thompson made some really poor passing decisions, and they just turned the ball over way too much. Gifted Iowa to just the easiest baskets, um, and you know the defense just kind of. I thought collectively throughout the game it wasn't really that great. You know, I know Iowa has a good offense, but you, know, you saw what Indiana did in the two home games uh, against Ohio State, Minnesota, what how good their defense was, and just it just didn't seem like the defense was kind of glued to guys and wasn't as connective as it has as it has been over the last couple of weeks. So that was a little disappointing. They couldn't get as much stops, and then just I think they were fatigued down the stretch and they just completely collapsed. And it was just really frustrating because it was you know it's like the Wisconsin game where all the good you saw in that first half. Time just goes out the window because you you weren't able to close it. You couldn't put together yet another full forty minute game. 
Um, there's just something about this team and playing on the road right now that just needs to get fixed. You know, uh, it's going to be the ultimate test on Monday if they can uh, beat Nebraska on the road. You certainly hope, or else the team has some serious road issues. But it was just kind of disappointing. Uh, you know, and this was a game, obviously, you know, Indiana wasn't even favored to win this game. And I don't think losing at Iowa was a horrible loss, just like losing at Wisconsin isn't a horrible loss. But it's the way how they lost the game both times. You're in control. It seems like you really have a chance to get a really solid win for your resume. And they just do so many costly mistakes. They hurt them. They hurt themselves. And there's another really frustrating loss for the fan base that, you know, it seems like you take a couple steps forward and now it just seems like it's another step back. So it was really disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. Dylan Wallace, my guest, we're talking IU Iowa last night. Uh, Dylan, I, I've, I've hear a cry from fans, whether it's on social media platforms or our text line or, uh, wherever you want to look for a, a shakeup in some things, and I think number one in a shakeup right now would have to be a change in the lineup, at least the starting lineup. I don't know necessarily the starting lineup needs to be fixed, but I do think some of the substitution patterns could really see an adjustment, especially like when he does, you know, five for five essentially. When you bring in all five bench players at once, and you know all the starters are all off off the floor because that was in the first half. When you know Indiana was up, they built themselves what a seven-eight point lead, and Iowa goes run as soon as all five bench guys are on the floor at the same exact time. Um, so I didn't really like that. I know I've seen that from a couple people who has handled some of the substitutions with the bench. Um, so that's kind of an area where he sprinkle some guys in. You know, play Tamar Bates with Trace Jackson Davis with some starters. You know, sprinkle guys in at different times. Don't just do five for five because. You know, that's kind of difficult. To, and, and, the, and the bench unit doesn't really have like a scoring punch to it. You know, maybe if you have a guy like Parker Stewart and Miller Cop on the floor with the bench, those, you know, that's a shooter, that's a guy that can make baskets. So that's kind of the area where I think needs to be fixed. I don't think the starting lineup should be tweaked that much. I mean, I think what the starting lineup provides, and they, you know, they played pretty well last night to start the game. Um, and I just kind of like those guys on the floor together. But I think some of the substitution stuff, you know, bringing in five bench guys to the five starters is. It's kind of a you know a thing you've got to wonder about, and you know you'd like to see it kind of get switched up a bit. I think that's kind of where the biggest area I want to see change in terms of kind of the lineups and how they go about that. But and then also you know because you do the five for five, you know you barely see any bench guys play in the second half of these kind of games. And I don't think Geronimo played one minute in the second half, and it's just like and then you can tell that Race and Trace are pretty tired towards the end of the game. So. I think just the way substitutions are, are handled need to be fixed, and maybe you know to your point, maybe that is switch up the starting lineup and have certain guys come in at different times, maybe that could be a, a key they meant to make. But, yeah, certainly, you know, the lineups that are on the floor together throughout the game needs to be kind of evaluated, and I think changed a bit because it's, it's been a struggle, um, especially on the road. I want to read this text because it talks about uh, what we were just talking about and the next point I wanted to make. Uh, the texter writes, it's time for the NBA style of sub-patterns to stop. It doesn't work. I can't believe the assistants are okay with this. We simply aren't good enough at the PG position. What does that say about Lander? Very frustrating. And obviously we were just talking, you brought up the NBA style subs, and I was headed next to the point guard position. After maybe some improvement at home the last two games, I know Rob Finnessy shot it well. I think that helped mask some of the point guard problems over the last couple games, but uh, the point guard struggles were back in a big way last night, and Xavier Johnson, Rob Finnessy, seeing lots of minutes for this team, 
Christian Lander, and I don't know an update on his health. He had a, a leg issue that uh, kept him out uh, at least the other night uh, for, for warm-ups and everything. But, uh, you know, at, at what point is there going to be some sort of change, and what, what would that change possibly be beside maybe Lander getting more opportunities? But uh, there, there clearly is some point guard struggles with this team that are hindering them in a big, big way. It definitely is kind of the, one of the biggest areas that hurts this team. And I don't know if, if Lander will see the floor. Um, you know, we haven't really seen, and I guess he has been dinged up, so maybe that's kind of played into, you know, whether or not he's not been playing. But it just doesn't seem like, you know, whether it's not something Woodson sees in practice or kind of just what it is that he just is not really going to go to Lander unless absolutely needed, you know, unless, like, I think in the Syracuse, you know, Johnson fouled out and Rob fouled out. So he needed to have Lander on the floor. I'm not sure if that's the only reason he'll, he'll play him, but, I mean, you know, you look at the two point guards, and they just are complete opposites. You know, Rob is very kind of, you know, under control um, for the most part, but he, he's just very kind of timid with what he does. And Xavier Johnson likes to go, you know, 100%, 100 miles an hour. And, you know, when you were trying to break that press, it was like Rob just didn't know, like, where to, you know, he's trying to get rid of the ball. He was, he was making poor decisions. Then Dave was just trying to run through everybody and kind of get around all everyone, and you needed some kind of some guy in the middle. And, I don't know. Maybe that is Flander. I kind of I like the way he's able to handle the ball in terms of just dribbling it, you know. But I don't know uh, if Woodson just sees stuff in practice that makes them non-playable or what. But that would be the only kind of mark where you could see them change it up in terms of the point guard position because you know Trey Galloway, you know he can he can initiate the offense at times, but he's not really the the best ball handler. Mar Bates clearly isn't up to speed yet in terms of what he can do. So he's just gonna have to really bank on you know Xavier and Rob playing more consistent, and we saw it in, in that two-game home stand, you know, the last, you know, against Ohio State Minnesota, they were playing really well, and but then, you know, again, last night, they just really, really struggled, and they, and it kind of hurt Indiana, so uh, that's going to be the biggest thing, everyone's going to want to talk about that after every game, you know, how did Rob and Xavier play, you know, those are the two guys that probably get, you know, the most playing for the most part, um, so I don't really know kind of what the change could be there other than playing Lander, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So it's, those two guys are really going to try to play consistent because, you know, when they're on and when they're playing well, you can see how good this team can be. And then when they're off, you can see how much they really struggle to, to put away games and stay in control of games. And that was the, the big kind of glaring point last night. Dylan Wallace, the Seymour Tribune sports editor, is my guest. Dylan, if there's a positive from last night, and I try not to just – hammer, hammer, hammer uh, after losses. If there's a positive, another really, really good game by Trace Jackson Davis. His third straight double-double. He's really racking up double-doubles and triple-doubles in his career. 18 points, 11 rebounds, played 36 minutes last night. And one of the things I thought that standed out for Trace last night, and then if you really want to look to an area where he's improved specifically this season, he's become a great shot blocker, a much better shot blocker, and I think he's one of the leading blockers in the Big Ten uh, at this point of the season. But uh, all the way around, Trace Jackson Davis, we're, we're at that point with him where you know what you're going to get from him. You know the leadership. You know the points, the rebounds. You know what he's going to bring to the table now as a shot blocker, and he continues to be an absolute stud for this IU team, despite how point guards or, or turnovers or shooting percentages or anything else you want to talk about with this team, he's, he just is consistent game in and game out. Yeah, he's been awesome. Um, you know, in shot blocking, he's just been a phenomenal shot blocker. I also think he's really taken a step forward in his passing. You know, he made this one awesome, like, cross-court pass uh, to Miller Cop in the corner for a three-pointer, wide-open three. 
And those are the kind of passes like you see NBA big guys make. You know, they see the double coming and they make the pass. It's like two steps. You know, it's like, you know, it's just really, they're really good. It's really nice that I've seen him, you know, being able to pass the ball a lot better. So that's been good as well because, you know, he's going to get doubled a lot. He's going to need to know what to do with the ball. He's been a lot more patient. You know, he waits for things to develop. He kind of back, he takes the time back his way into guys, saves a nice finesse kind of shot over dude. Or he can go quick, you know, spin on you and go up right away. So he's, he's just been excellent, and it's been really fun to watch him play. And he played really well last night, but you look at it, I think he only had eight shots. You know, he had 18 points on eight shots, and you need to get him the ball more, you know. And I think, you know, sometimes Indiana's guards, they, they, they try to, you know, feed it to him, and, and they don't have a good angle at the, at the post entry, and it looks and it just doesn't really go well. You're not getting him in a good position. So I think that needs you to clean up as well. You know, you got to get him the ball more. I know teams are going to try to deny him, obviously, but there's got to be more creative ways to kind of get him touches, more touches, more shots. You know, pick and roll maybe it is on him on the roll. We saw a nice leap of play that, you know, Parker Schrift found him on the roll for an easy dunk. Um, and I just think, you know, getting into him the more, you know, he needs more than eight shots in a game because he could have easily had over 20 last night um, because Iowa really couldn't do much when they were trying to guard him. Um, so, you know, he's been awesome, and there's no question about that. And he needs to bring it every single night for him to be competitive. But I do think he needs to get him the ball more because eight shots is not enough for him, especially in a game like that where, you know, Indiana was really struggling down the stretch. You, know, you got to get your All-American on some touches to try to get you back in the game. So, uh, but yeah, he's been great, and uh, it's, it's been a joy to watch him this season. And he's really taken a step forward. You know, you'd always wonder, you know, how much better can he get? How could he improve his draft stuff, stuff like that? I think defensively, you know, he's really proven. He, he can guard guys on the perimeter. He can contest all kinds of different shots. He can really be really good on help side defense, blocking shots. So he's, he's got a really nice, well-rounded game, and it's been nice to see. And uh, hopefully, you know, the season around him continue to uh, get more consistent because you don't want to waste another Trace Jackson Davis here. You know, this team has a lot of talent. They do, you know. And it's just being able to put things together uh, on the road more specifically than at home uh, for them to kind of get what they need. So he's been great, as you said, and that's it's always kind of a positive uh, mark for Indiana is just how well Trace Jackson Davis plays every night. You know, Dylan, it seems each and every year we, we start earlier and earlier talking about NCAA teams and resumes, and I know a lot of that's because of the different bracketologies that are out there and the net ratings are uh, by the NCAA are now updated almost, on I think, on a daily basis so you can kind of see where you're at within reason. But if looking at things from still an early perspective, it's it's not yet. I guess we're approaching the middle of January tomorrow. Um, the Nebraska game – on the road Saturday, almost to me, and I hate to say this because it, ha- it, it it said so many times for so many different teams for so many different games, but I just feel like tomorrow's or Monday's game at Nebraska, given Nebraska's in the the you know not the top tier of the Big Ten, given IU has to get some road wins, uh, given what's ahead on the schedule, it's almost a must win for IU, and it's crazy we're talking about must win games here in the middle of January. It really is, you know, um, and it, I think it is kind of a must-win game. Now, you know, if they lose, the season's definitely not over because the good thing about the Big Ten is you have opportunities kind of nightly to get really solid wins, whether it's on the road against a team you could beat or it's at home, you know, you have a ranked Purdue or ranked Ohio State or ranked whoever coming to Assembly Hall where you get a really nice win. So there, it's obviously, you know, the season wouldn't be lost if they lose, but, you know, you really have to win this game because you have to get a road win, you know. Uh, you just can't win everything at home, and especially after losing the Penn State game, this is the game Indiana really needs to catch and kind of make up and, and kind of get back to 500 in the conference. 
and again, more importantly, get some momentum heading into that Purdue game at home on, on Thursday. It's the next game after the Nebraska game. So uh, it's definitely, you know, huge for them. And just, just to break the sort of the road woes in general, um, it'd be really nice. You know, maybe that, that kind of help, helps them out a bit when they go on the road again later in the year. I know they play at Maryland a different time. That's a winnable game. So hopefully if they can get this win in Nebraska, it kind of eases their minds a little bit. Um, and they're able to, uh, you know, continue to go out and, and play a little better on the road. And I and I hope and I hope Mike Wilson doesn't wear a suit on Monday because I don't think that don't go to Super Six and just win a road game. Do what you need to, you know. That shouldn't matter, you know. And I know it's it's a fun thing on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. But I hope he doesn't do that because I hope he just believes in his guys and they believe they can go win a game on the road. And you know, hopefully you see it. So uh, that, that's kind of a funny thing there. But yeah, I mean, it, it's big and. And it is sort of you feel like it's a must-win game because you just feel like if Indiana loses that game and they drop the two and four in the conference, and you have road losses to Penn State, Nebraska, uh, then you have a lot of work to make up in terms of the Big Ten play. You got to pick up some wins maybe you wouldn't expect to. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully they can get back on track, get that first road win of the season, and uh, get some momentum ending that Purdue game because that's going to be a big one on next Thursday. No question, uh, Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, is my guest. Uh, talking some uh, IU hoops with Dylan here today. Dylan, a uh, quick note before we, we let you go. Uh, obviously, IU football making some headlines recently, a new defensive line coach, new defensive coordinator, a couple additional pickups uh, for this IU football program for next season. As we look ahead to IU next year and the Big Ten next year, I've kind of gauged some of the different IU beat writers we have that, that join the show uh, over the last week or so, what what is a fair outlook for IU football looking ahead here in this off season for next year? Well, I hope you know getting back to a bowl game uh, would be the number one priority. Uh, whether it's that six and six or seven and five, um, I think I think you have to do that. I mean, I think if you have another losing season, um, it's gonna be pretty tough. You know, then you're really kind of in in a bit of a rut there. And I think what they've done in the offseason so far, it's been pretty positive. You know, you brought in the quarterback from Missouri. You brought in some really nice transfers from North Carolina and Auburn, schools like that. So I think they've done a nice job. Obviously, the recruiting class is very good. You know, you never know how much you expect kind of freshmen to contribute so early on in their careers. But I think they've done a pretty solid job. And I think, you know, Tom Allen's going to try to get everybody fired back up, you know, for, for the spring. You know, spring football is coming up. And I, I think that there should be some nice optimism around them. And, you know, another thing is, you know, the schedule just kind of got pushed up a little bit. Um, and, you know, Indiana kind of got a pretty nice break with that because they had a stretch in the old schedule where it was Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. It was those four in a row. I don't know if it was that, that exact order, but it was those four teams Indiana had four straight weeks. But now it's kind of split up a little bit. You know, they have a bit of a nice break here and there in the schedule. You know, they're playing Illinois, I think, is at Northwestern in the opener. So, um, I, I think they got a surprisingly, you know, usually this doesn't happen with Indiana football, but they got a pretty nice break uh, with the new kind of schedule change for, for 2022. So hopefully they're able to take advantage of that as well. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, honestly, I think just the number one thing is get back to a bowl game. And uh, like I said, whether that's six and six or seven and five, uh, doesn't really matter, but get six wins somehow and kind of get back on track. You know, you don't want to have two, three, four wins again. That would just be – Really, that'd be really struggling, and then you kind of really start to question, hey, where is this program at? You know, what what changes need to be made here? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the biggest thing that I'm going to be looking for heading into the season. But I think they've done a pretty nice job to kind of salvage everything and kind of regroup after that 
Uh, really, really disappointing 2021 season. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think the schedule broke favorable for him, which hopefully it can uh, can play to their advantage uh, once once fall runs around and September comes up. Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. Dylan, thanks for the chat. Have a great weekend. We'll talk with you next week. Yes, sounds good. Thank you, guys. We'll head to a commercial break, come back with our final segment of the show, final segment of the week. Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star will join. We'll uh, catch up on some high school hoops and recruiting and a really interesting situation. Carmel High School has been so dominant from up in uh, the northern part of Indianapolis, and they uh, left their conference, and uh, things did not work out for a new conference. They are going to be an independent in high school sports for the first time since the 1950s. And so it's not immediate, but this is an interesting situation, and I want to talk with Kyle about it when we come back. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in first. All the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Okay, back here on this Friday program, Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. We're going to get into some basketball, but Kyle, I said uh, heading into this segment, uh, it's not local, but it's really, really interesting. Uh, this Carmel Center Grove, uh, they left the uh, Mick Conference, uh, one of the best in Indiana, and we everyone assumed, thought the plan was for them to try to uh, join, make membership with the Hoosier Crossroads Conference, and yesterday... The Hoosier Crossroads Conference released a statement that uh, they weren't going to add any members right now. So basically, Carmel and Center Grove are stuck in no man land as far as a conference home goes. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Two big schools, especially Carmel. Uh, and independent. Uh, it's I think for football, I don't want to call it a struggle because Carmel has a football program where they can probably suffice and find opponents out of the state from the Midwest, and they already in some ways want to play that kind of schedule anyway. So I'm just curious, your thoughts on this Carmel and Center Grove uh, independence now in Indiana high school sports? Yeah, I think you laid it out pretty well. I think the the idea or the you know I think a thought in a lot of people's minds even and this goes back probably you know honestly a few years uh, but really kind of picked up at the start of this school year and there was there had been some talks between the two schools and the HCC about you know potentially joining or what the interest level might be. Um, I knew there was two schools out there in the HCC that were were pretty set against it, and then a couple others on the fence, and then four that were probably going to be uh, for it or allow it but you know they could never get to a point where everybody was on board with it and and if you're the HCC I think you're looking at it if you're a coach in the HCC you're certainly looking at it like why would we want to bring these two uh, you know powerhouse programs uh, in to compete with us on a on a daily basis so you know I can understand also from a football scheduling standpoint it would be problematic at some level to have 10 teams rather than eight you know, now your schedule you have seven you have seven conference games and two non-conference, which is I think probably ideal. You bring in ten teams, then you're you're basically locked into a schedule, and uh, you know it makes it makes it a little bit more more difficult I think to uh, obviously to play some non-conference games, you know, and and that sort of thing. So that that's uh, that was part of it, but I think the biggest you know 
Carmel's just a huge school. You know, it's 5,400 kids. It's the biggest in the state. You know, they're, you know, kind of on another level as far as that goes. Ben Davis, I think, is maybe within a 1,000. Everybody else is, is uh, quite a bit smaller. You know, even the huge schools, the township schools and the suburban schools are smaller. Uh, so now they're independent, and I don't think this was the plan, you know, but they're kind of making the best of it at this point. I'm curious what, you know, I, I don't think the last domino is, is, has been knocked over in this. I, I think there's some possibility of, uh, maybe uh, some new conference, and I don't, I don't know, Matt, what that would be look like, or you know what uh, could happen there. But you know, who, could they ask maybe some of the HCC who who were maybe on their side? You know, would you like to join a, a new conference with us? And I'm not sure those schools would, uh, but I think that maybe there's more uh, down the line that could happen. But you know, it's very interesting. I think Center Grove is kind of a different situation there. The geography is a little bit more different for them. They're on the south side of Indianapolis where no one else other than Franklin Central is relatively close, but, you know, didn't have a whole lot in common with the other schools that are on the north side or the west side, uh, especially from a you know, driving standpoint. So I know that was part of, uh, part of the factor, too, for them. But, uh, you know, that kind of maybe worked against them. But yeah, it's a, it's super interesting. And again, you know, conferences at the high school level don't, it's not the be all end all, you know, there's no huge television contract. It's not like the big 10 or, you know, pac 12 or something, something like that. Uh, SEC, you know, there's no, you know, there's just not a ton of money to be made on being part of a conference. It's more for scheduling purposes and, and, you know, and, and pride and that sort of thing. But, you know, other than football scheduling, a lot of their schedules are probably going to remain the same. I, I am curious to see if the mixed schools will keep scheduling them, you know, and and uh, how those relationships uh, survive or don't survive. So I think that's, you know, that can't be answered yet. But uh, over the next few years, we'll see how that relationship evolves. And, you know, there's there's a lot to it. I mean, it's not a black and white thing, really, like a lot of things are. There's a lot, a lot of different layers to it. But Ultimately, the ACC decided as of now, you know, not to say they couldn't revisit that at some point either, but as of now, they're just going to move forward with the current eight-team situation. Yep, that Kyle Nedner at the Indianapolis Star, very, very interesting uh, to see and follow. Again, it doesn't affect us locally, but with all the talk about conference realignment and what there has been so far already in uh, college sports, uh, you do wonder, as, as things trickle down, uh, could there ultimately be a new conference in the state with some of the power schools and the large schools and how that could uh, trickle down and affect things maybe even here in southern Indiana? So just kind of storing that away, interested to see what happens with that. And, Kyle, as we close out today, we've got about a minute left. Had a chance to see Indianapolis Cathedral just blow away New Albany on Saturday night. Uh, they are a very, very talented basketball team, and, and I think maybe as far as just pure talent goes, one of the best, if not the best, in 4A basketball. Uh, we've talked this week a lot locally as we start to think about girls' and boys' state tournaments, which is hard to believe about local teams that could maybe be best set up for a run, and there's still a lot of unknown down here. But on a statewide level, is Cathedral a team to watch for a 4A championship? Oh, definitely. Yeah, they're they're so talented that they have to be. Uh, but then, you know, you mentioned that they then they come out and they uh, and, and Carmel kind of run over them the other night and, and on a Wednesday night. I wasn't there to see that game, but uh, it's kind of been the M.O. for Cathedral so far this year is they'll they'll look like gangbusters one game and then the next game. Not so much. And I've covered three of their games that they've lost. And, you know, they've, they've kind of been run run out of the gym in a couple of those. Uh, so, 
you know, they they look you know like kind of like you said they have everything you would think you'd need to be a real contender, and I think they can be still. They just haven't consistently done that. But uh, you know, I think it's still out there for them potentially to do that. And you know, when you have players like Tayshawn Comer and, and Jackson Edwards and Xavier Booker, you know, those those guys are are really really good. Uh, can they come together? I think that's the biggest question. All right, Kyle Nedenrip, the Indianapolis Star. Thank you, Kyle. Everybody have a great weekend. Jeff Floyd Central tonight on the Big X. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.